DJ Podcast.com. Check this, this Check it out. We are there. I can't believe it. This beat is banging. I can't believe it. We are there. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my great pleasure to introduce you to DJ Flip. If you want to be the best, you got to take out the best. DJ, DJ Flip. How are you, Rick? I'm good, Rob. Thanks for having me on the show. Hey, thanks thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, I told you uh, a couple months ago that we were going to do it, and I'm just, I'm sorry it took this long to get to you. you know, no, got- I'm sure this, because, you know, we're, we're in the period of uh, either booking parties or, or starting to accumulate more parties by this time, so I'm sure I wouldn't have been surprised if, if you were busy, and I knew I was busy, so... It's all good. I'm, I'm just glad that the that the celestial calendar lined up and we were able to get you on the show. I'm real happy to have you. Thanks, thanks for coming up. Cool, cool. I'm glad to be on. I uh, I mentioned that we uh, met a couple months ago, and really it was just, geez, last month at Mobile Beat Las Vegas. That's right, that's right. You had uh, you had a great set up on top of the Riv. Thank you, thank you. That um, you know, it's funny that that set almost didn't happen. Um, just a little backstory, uh, because um, as you know, I'm an endorsed artist with Denon, and I, you know, represent them at most of the trade shows uh, that we do. And yeah. It's just the fact that that night. The Wednesday night was, um, or at least I'd say the, the second half of that night was sponsored by Pioneer. So they were kind of questions like, "Why is a Denon guy going to be, you know, doing <laughs> on, on Pioneer?" <laughs> Little conflict of interest there. <laughs> yeah, but you know the thing was, it, it's not like Pioneer asked me to do. It. It's not like Denon even asked me to do. Denon obviously didn't even have a, an official booth that day. I mean, all the products that Denon were showcasing were through Northern Lighting. So um, it was, as a matter of fact, my friend John Roz, who was hosting the party, had asked me. And he gave you uh, a heck of an intro, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we and John go way back. I mean, I've known the guy for years, and, and I've worked with him a couple times in the past. So, I mean, he's, you know, he's seen the way I, I, I play, and, 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 you know, he thought that I'd be a perfect fit for, a, you know, a closing set. Because he's like, I need you know, I need a really strong DJ to really close that party out. So I mean, he could have chosen anybody, but I was uh, pretty flattered he asked me to do it. So that set you played, I mean, because I, I thought it was pretty good. You're saying that that was a that was a on the fly set. Um, uh, yeah, actually, it was. I, you know what? I put that set together in my hotel room. Um, I didn't even rehearse how I was going to do it. I mean, granted, part pieces of that set came from previous routines I've done in the past. Right. But I mean, it wasn't. You know, I would just. It was basically. I was just basically uh, improving the whole thing. <laughs> but I kind of had an idea of, of where to go songs I wanted to use. Sure, it's how I was going to execute it. Uh, you know, I was basically winging it as I went. Because <laughs> uh, you know, I saw. I also had the privilege of seeing uh, DJ Shifty 
on his set at the uh, Chavez stage. What he was doing, there was, I, I don't think there's any way he could just walk up and do that. That was just... Um, sometimes, well, yeah, because Shifty, if you didn't know, he was also a, a former DMC champion. And a lot of those DMC guys um, spend most of their year up until the moment of competition perfecting and rehearsing their routines yeah. and their tech and polishing their techniques so whether or not he actually planned he most likely he had probably planned it because so, obviously they've asked him to do <laughs> uh, a set before he even stepped foot in vegas so i mean they i'm sure he had something up his sleeve he wanted to throw together so i mean it's just basically kind of uh of unique on how I approach things as well because I, I've been in the you know in, in the battle circuit before and and uh, you know I knew what it was like night you know sitting staying up night after night rehearsing a routine practicing techniques here and there but at the same time you know I mean doing parties all the time you know I mean how long have you actually been in the business I'm going on 14 years now yeah started 1997 yeah 14 years about 14 years uh this may will be 14 years wow and at what point did you actually i don't know it's kind of interesting to ask that but when did you go pro um well it's it's the unique thing is i started uh when i first started doing this i started uh working for a company uh in new jersey and I, I guess you could say that I just immediately just started doing it professionally right there, but never really considered myself as uh, like a DJ per se, as just like this was something. Because I was in college at the time. I was part of a radio station at school, and, you know, I was looking for a job like any other college student. And But I was thinking, you know, like I, I don't want to have to work during the week because I'm in class. But and I'm thinking maybe I'll, I'll try and find something on the weekend. And it, you know, I never really thought about being a DJ because at that time I was actually doing, uh, working as an actor, doing dinner theater. Actually, <laughs> I was doing murder mystery dinner theater. Really, like, that's neat. <laughs> so I mean, like that's what like you know, eventually getting on the mic and everything was not as hard to break me into because I was just used to speaking in front of a room full of people all the time. Because you know, doing dinner theater. There was a lot of improv involved, so you know you had to just basically just say things out of your mouth on the fly half the time. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I mean, I was looking through the one ads, and, and I found a company that was looking for someone to do weddings for them. And what intrigued me about the ad was just the, the, the big bold heading on there says "Want a fun job." I was like, okay, yeah, that, that's going to capture <laughs> my attention right away. I called the guy. On the phone, uh, his name's Mark. We met face to face, and then he invited me out the following weekend to observe a wedding that he was doing. He's like, the only way you can really understand what we do is if you actually see what we do. So I said, okay. And now at the time, my whole perception of wedding DJing was just a guy in the back back of a table with two turntables and a mixer and a bunch of records and everything. And you know, playing some music. So I was like, how hard can this actually be? You know, I mean, I kind of have an idea how to segue music just being in the radio station all the time. So you know, <laughs> I never knew what beat mixing was or anything like that. And, you know, and when I first saw it, I, I, it was just, um, I was just amazed how there was a lot more to it because at the time, I mean, being an interactive uh, MC slash DJ, 
entertainer, you know, where, where you're leading dances and, you know, using all kinds of funky props or whatever. So sure. I was kind of blown away by it. And I, I, it was, I was actually quite impressed. So I was just like, yeah, bring me on the next one, you know. <laughs> So from that point on, make a long story short, I mean, I just pretty much stuck with it. Um, I didn't really look at it as a career goal up until I, I, I really started honing my skill a lot more and then knowing what I can actually really do with it. I'm surprised after even less than a year, I, I can actually beat mix two songs. and That was just like a victory for me. I, I lovingly referred to uh, myself as a as a cd player with a personality <laughs> right but i mean how do you go from uh you know just playing musics and and just playing songs you know segueing into the next one and you know just trying to keep the vibe going to actually being a turntablist back in 2001 i uh attended mobile beat out in chicago and they had introduced for the first time uh, a prototype of the pioneer cdj 1000 when I saw that, I kind of knew what, like, my whole first exposure to scratching, like most turntablists, their first exposure to scratching and everything all came through Herbie Hancock's Rocket. For me, it was, uh, you know, seeing Jam Master J and the Walk This Way video, you know, when the first intro beat comes in and he starts going that jugga jugga jugga. I was like, ah, that's pretty cool. So, you know, I would try that with my mom's turntable and stuff. And it didn't have the same effect. You probably bent the needle. You probably bent the needle. Probably. I know I screwed up my Michael Jackson Thriller album so many times. I kind of regret doing because that was the first vinyl record I ever bought. But anyway, never thought about doing the whole turntablistic thing because I just thought, you know, beat mixing music well in itself using dual cd players i thought you know i was just king of the world at the time because, you know i was like wow I, I can rock any party doing this because you know i mean everything was pretty much laid out for you you know i mean it wasn't like i didn't know anything about the the, the same concept of, of actually using vinyl or even digital vinyl but when i saw the the cdj 1000 perform for the first time you know and all the the capabilities of the scratching and, and juggling and all that. And I was just like, this. That, I think that was the turning point to me for me to actually venture into that realm. Mm. I was like, I got to have that player. You know, I'm thinking, I got to have that player. And I remember when I first got it uh, the following year, you know, I tried looking up every single tutorial or bought every video <laughs> that's <laughs> out there on scratching and watching different videos on online, different DJs doing their thing with, with turntables. And then I said, you know what? I'm never really going to appreciate this art for what it is until I take it back even further. So I actually went out and bought vinyl turntables. Wow. I went out and bought a set of 1200s and even started investing in vinyl and even started uh, even playing in certain clubs just using vinyl because, you know, I wanted to be a whole part of that culture. You know, and then eventually I got into, I started entering the local battles that were around, you know, the Guitar Center battles and, and all that. You know, when you're practicing in your room and everything, you, you, you think you've got your routine locked down. The second you, you know, you get three minutes to judge, you know, impress the crowd, you know, you forget everything you rehearsed. Oh, <laughs> just man. like, wow. Know you know, exactly so a lot of it was a learning experience. There. It was all trial and error, just like, you know, any other turntablist evolving in their craft. You know what I mean? Even biting after different turntablists and, and trying what they're doing publicly. I mean, no one's obviously going to know where they came from, but. I was like, because I would see certain guys who get who pull something off, and and I hate to see a, a cool reaction they get. I was like, you know, I want to try that same thing and see what, if I get the same reaction. Yep. 
and that's how I'd learn from it too because it's just like um, I don't know if you knew but I was a guitar player for so many years playing in, in rock bands and uh, I remember when I first started playing guitar I would want to learn how to play all my favorite songs <laughs> so it's kind of the same take on how sure. I uh, developed all my scratching techniques my mixing techniques um, live remixing I would bite off uh, guys I've looked up to now you mentioned uh, guys you looked up to What were, who were some of your uh inspiration back then there was uh the first guy that i you know believe it or not uh well i said jam master jay uh was actually the guy who exposed the whole scratching art form to me right i mean not to me directly obviously but to uh like the first time i've ever seen that kind of thing on tv and i was just like wow that's you know i, I just thought that was pretty cool <laughs> you know just him going back and forth i used to think that was just a great sound you know, hearing that baby scratch or whatever. Back then, like when I first really started dabbling into this art, I knew Pioneer back then had a lot of uh, the best of the best, the best DJs that could showcase this kind of thing. And, and there was a guy named uh, DJ Rooney G. I don't know if you're familiar with him. No. Um, he, he was like Pioneer's elite DJ at the time. And he did some really amazing things with the CDJs. And, you know, and then I started researching other guys online and saying like, you know, I wonder if there's anybody who could do something better than what he did. So, and then, you know, I mean, I started discovering more things about guys like DJ Kubert, um, all the turntables guys, and then even just like uh, house rocker DJs like DJ Scribble. You know, yeah. he would take the elements of turntablism and club mixing and, and put them together. And, and I was like, and which is actually what developed a lot of my style. That's know. neat. You know, I mean, even guys like uh, Z Trip and um, DJ Shadow, you know, who would take really obscure uh, beats, and you know, it's it's just a whole collective, collective different guys that that I would bite from. That's helped me develop the the way I, I DJ today. Well, you're you're definitely on a, a whole nother plane. Uh, in my book, because you know, like I said before, I'm I'm just a CD player with a personality. <laughs> you know, I was that guy too. You know, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I was. And uh, it, it's really interesting for me because the more my wife gets involved in my business, the more she wants. I mean, she came to me uh, a couple weeks ago, and she's like, "I want to mix these two songs together." And I'm like, uh, "Okay." Let me go to the garage and get you some stuff. You know, I, I got her a mixer that I'm not using anymore, um, a MIDI controller. She, I mean, obviously she has access to my music. And, right, uh, yeah. We sat her down on the in the in the living room, and she's just having a ball. A couple glasses of wine. She was putting some music together, and I was like, damn, if only you would get out there with me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes that that's how it starts for some people. I mean, they... I want to try this at a party, and the next thing you know, it's like I can really do this. And the next thing you know, they they become global. You know, what I mean, that's <laughs> the thing that's, that, that really impresses me about my wife uh, is she has this amazing <coughs> ability to recall a song. Because I mean, when you're when you're at a party, how many times does somebody come up to you? Hey, uh, can you play that song? It goes da 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 da. I'm like, what? What the heck yeah, is that? Well, <laughs> she knows what song that is. She can do that. And I'm like, you. Oh my god! I wish she could get out there. You know, she's a little uh, stage fighty. You know. Right. So and she. Her, it's so right now. I know. Right. Right now, she's agreed to uh, train as my assistant. And I'm like, that's great. 
that it is the perfect place for you to start you know just no pressure just see how it works and you know I'm getting pretty excited but um, the whole reason I brought that up is that personally I don't have that drive to go down the road that you went but I see that drive in my wife and that's that's kind of really interesting for me to to be observing you know well I'll, I'll be honest with you Robert I mean I I've been down both roads of being holding uh, myself as a very artist elite, uh, no not so much artist but even as an MC hosting a wedding uh, mm -hmm. or sweet 16 you know I played that role where you know I would interact with the crowd and, and lead yeah. the dances and, and do all that kind of stuff I mean I I'm not saying I'm a bad MC and I'm not bad on the mic because I don't have a problem talking on the mic, but I think my strong suit lies more behind a turntable and a mixer. Yeah. See, I've always known that there are three types of DJs. There's the musician DJ, which I believe you fall into that category. Right. Then there's the uh, mobile DJ, which is me. I'm the I'm the wedding guy interacting right. with the crowds and you know trying to keep the beats going and then uh, there's the radio DJ which nowadays you can't even really call them DJs except that they have DJ before their name <laughs> yeah they're just DJ by title I mean because <laughs> nowadays they're, they're really playing some playlist off the iPod or something that yeah and you, if you listen to most top 40 stations you're hearing the same song every five same minutes same song you know, now, <laughs> you know, now sometimes they get to uh, get to cut loose, you know, in the midnight hour or something, or or uh, what, what is it, Vinyl Tuesdays? <laughs> yeah, where you have your mixed DJs that, yeah. that play their sets. I've always uh, I've always admired the the musician DJs, the people that are able to actually create their music. That is really really impressive for me. <laughs> That's something I'm I'm actually I feel pretty fortunate to have. I never thought I would I would see myself in this position because I mean to be honest with you growing up I, all I saw myself was I thought I was gonna be this big rock guitar player you know playing in bands and you know I was looking up to bands like Motley Crue Metallica you know I mean I wanted to sure. do what they were doing and uh, I the whole world of DJing is has been even though I've been in for 14 years it, it, it's so I still look at it as kind of like a, a new thing for me, and and it's a uh, good feeling to know that I've come this far compared to what I used to do when I started out. You know, it's interesting to hear you talk about uh, the beginning of uh, the trials and tribulations of a, a beginning DJ. You know, you go to the Guitar Center, uh, what's it called? The the, the spinoffs, yeah, the Guitar spin Center spinoffs, and the, yeah, the the DJ battles, the DJ battles, the guitar center spinoffs but uh, you know when you when i hear you talk about the gear it sounds it sounds like we went from the stone age to the uh to the modern age in just a pretty short period of time of you know just 10 or 15 years and before our story began <laughs> you know we just had we just had uh the denon 2200f which oddly i still have <laughs> Yeah. I, well, okay, it's funny you mentioned Denon because that was the first product I was ever exposed to as far as DJ gear goes, you know, because I learned how to mix on a DN2500F. That was that unit with the keypad. It was like the first unit, I believe, that actually had a brake effect on it. Really? <laughs> how do you initiate that? <laughs> yeah, it had a brake effect, I believe, and it had a keypad, which I thought was so convenient because... 
playing a CD that had like 35 tracks on it, I, I, you know, it was a lot easier to type in track 35 versus. Oh, no, my mine mine doesn't have that. Doesn't ha- <laughs> it doesn't have an actual keypad. It just has the uh, skip forwards and backwards. Yeah, it had that too. But the only thing I didn't like about it was the fact that it wasn't. Um, it didn't have that that buffer like the uh, the anti shock. You know, yeah. like most. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. Um, it gives you some lead time in case there there's a little bump or something, or or the baseline hits too hard. <laughs> right, exactly. And what are you using now? PC DJ DAC two. Oh, okay. Yeah. I remember. I have I have two DAC twos and a DAC three, and I I want I really want the CDN. I, I mean uh, the the DMC two, but uh, you know Denon has a a really really nice. Uh, I think it's the HC forty five hundred. Right. Um. Yeah, the D the HC for that's become a. Uh... Yeah, it's been a lot more popular than the 2500. Or a lot of people have been favoring that that piece more. From uh, the company that that really gave me the my start. My boss got it, and uh, he was having a hard time working all the functions on it. And I remember thinking that this has this has too many too many functions for me. You know. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, what was uh, what was the piece? It was the 4500. The 45, okay. But what really did turn me on is that it was it acted as the sound card because you know this is uh, this is what uh, 2005. You know, uh, sound cards were were just starting to get <coughs> into the controller themselves, and that's what was really turning me on because with my PC DJ, you got player one on the left and player two on the right, and it's able to take a stereo signal and split it so that. All of player one plays on the left channel, and all of player two plays on the right channel. Right. So you run that to your mixer, and you get another little RCA splitter, and you can go into the left and right and kind of fake the stereo, you know? Right. So that was great when, when you know, PC DJ came out with that. And then, uh, then we all started getting uh, high-definition audio cards, and we were able to actually map out that player one would go to channels one and two, and then... Player two goes to channels three and four. That was fantastic, but with the Denon HC forty five hundred, it handled all the audio. You know, you just run a USB to that. And- have you tried the new DNMC six thousand? I have not. That was uh, that was actually in the northern lighting room in the Denon section. It's uh, Denon's new MIDI controller, pure MIDI controller. Actually, you it uh, native with Virtual DJ and uh, Tractor. You can actually run all four decks with virtual on that one. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, it's it's become a, a a hot target actually. As a matter of fact, I mean, a lot that we actually sold out of that at <laughs> that really? show. See, it, it's kind of hard for me to wrap around my mind because uh, one of the great things about uh, the new software is that you have so many decks that you can play with or or whatever. I mean, I think the limit's like ninety nine decks. Right. That is just ridiculous. I mean, I don't understand how you can use more than five. <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, like I can I can see maybe a limit of three for me. I mean, I would have. I would like to two have three main decks and then one for drops and sampling. <laughs> That's exactly how I feel, and I've kind of cheated that with uh, with my PC DJ. <laughs> I mean, you know, my particular version of the software is uh, obsolete. Uh, it got replaced by Virtual DJ. Or I'm I'm sorry. PC DJ came out with Dex, and then uh, using the red PC DJ red. 
FX. FX. I don't think I've seen FX that is after Red. But FX was the last line of that before they went to Dex. And then PC DJ VJ, which looks panel by panel the same as virtual DJ. And that one, I think, I believe, wasn't that the one you can actually use uh, an ex- uh, time-coded discs with it? Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. You can actually use a, vi- uh, a they had a time-coded vinyl, I believe, for that. Right, right. So my software is old. It's the FX. They stopped making it. They stopped supporting it, and uh, I can't get it to work on Windows 7 64. <laughs> but but uh, the reason I haven't moved on is because it still works fantastic. And I said I fake the, the third deck because uh, PC DJ also does karaoke. It has a it has a, a, a plug-in to initiate a third deck. And sometimes I'll use that third deck for my drops, you know, uh, it's the laugh track. It's the you got it right sound or, you know, whatever. Right. Or maybe I got player one is live, player two, I already know that that one's coming up next, but I still want to, you know, uh, cue up another song. Maybe that, you know, see where I'm going with it, <laughs> with the right, mood right. and stuff. So I I use the karaoke uh, deck to uh, cheat for my third. <laughs> oh, okay. But with the new uh, Virtual DJ 7, you... You could have five decks on the screen, and that's just amazing. Yeah, it's it's pretty unique how a lot of these software companies will they see what like you know Virtual DJ would see what Tractor's doing, and they say okay, let's take it a step higher. And Serato would see what Virtual's D doing, and then it's I think they all I think it it's all a collaborative to, thing, you know. Yeah, I think it all just boils down to the preference of the individual and the type of DJing you're actually doing, because I mean. What's the point of... I mean, Serato was initially designed... I mean, you know, Scratch Live. It was right. initially designed for the turntablist, which is why they had vinyl uh, time codes or CD time codes. It was initially for the turntablist. And the way the interface was designed and everything. Virtual DJ, you know, w- wanted to be the first, I believe, to be the first software out there to do uh, video. Yeah. You know, and then sure. Serato jumped on that bandwagon everything and pc dj was was more for the uh just the either the regular mix dj or the mobile dj who was more in tune with being on a mic than you know behind the decks i mean you obviously need something to play your music out of right right you know i think it just boils down to the uh individual preference you know i mean for someone like you you said you're a cd player guy with a personality so something like pc dj would or even virtual dj would just be more ideal for you i'm i'm really close to uh making the switch i've definitely got virtual dj 7 in my uh in my sites you know i have used it in the past and it's definitely a fantastic piece of software and one of the things that really turns me on about the uh virtual dj software is the built-in sampler oh yeah it has uh it has a good share you have your good uh share of effects on there so you can even record your set oh yeah uh i can't i can't do that i mean i can record my set with pc dj but i can't do the i can't it doesn't have a built-in sampler so i'm definitely gonna make move the unique thing about with virtual also is if you're uh if you're adding video to your parties uh, not necessarily playing music video. Uh-huh. You can actually run uh, a video slideshow you know, with pictures uh, from the party through Virtual DJ. Just found the use for multiple decks. <laughs> One of those decks could be playing video. 
So, I mean, if, if you... Uh, but you have to have a monster of a computer to run that, too, you know? If you ever feel like making another transition and staying in the MIDI controller realm, you might want to look at the new Denon DMC6000, which has been getting a lot of great responses uh, from people who have used it. I mean, it was designed with the mobile DJ in mind, of course, too, because the, the two mic inputs, I mean, everything is pretty much user-friendly. So how long have you been a, a Denon DJ? Um, a Denon sponsored DJ. Uh, only the past couple of years. I uh, Neil Altnew, who is the director of marketing and sales for Denon DJ right now at the moment, used to be um, he was the vice president of marketing and sales with Pioneer for twenty years. At the time, Pioneer had the most elite products on the market. They also had, before they had the best DJs who would showcase these products and. I would look at that as like, you know, I want to, I bet I could do a lot more with this product than those guys can. Or I bet, you know I mean? Trying to just boost my own ego privately. Well, anyway, I was friends with Neil throughout his time in Pioneer. His son, Brian, who I used to uh, do party, I used to do weddings with. Uh, God rest his soul, he passed away a few years ago. After he passed away, Neil and I created this this closer bond with each other. And he always uh, thought of me as a genuine person and wanted to try and get me into Pioneer. When he left Pioneer, uh, I believe it was a, f a couple years ago, he uh, told me, he didn't tell me exactly where he was going, but he said something big was coming up. And I said, the only other company I know that he could probably possibly jump on board with is the second biggest company in the industry and that would be have to be Denon DJ and turns out I was right so when he jumped on board with Denon I started thinking hmm, maybe uh you know Neil could probably get me a <laughs> get me a hookup but it's not so much the fact of just the sake of wanting to be a demonstrator because Neil told uh knew what my capabilities were as far as being a DJ and, and he knew what kind of DJ was so when the DN 3700 came out uh, actually, before it even came out, was a prototype. He told me about the player. He said, "Go on the Denon website, take a look at the player. You know, it's going to become the biggest, the newest, uh, the hottest player on the market." So I took a look at it, and now, mind you, I was uh, totally loyal with Pioneer's players at the time. You know, I thought nothing could, nothing in the, in the DJ market can, can touch these players. I think nothing could do what they do. So you know, I was a little bit skeptical at first. And then I saw the design on that. I was like, "Wow, this is that's a pretty cutting edge looking design." <laughs> you know, it actually had a, a, a full, a, an identical platter to a Techniques twelve hundred, had a real vinyl uh, record on top of it. Which you know, there are companies who have done that in the past, but the feel's never the same as an actual twelve hundred. I don't know if you knew or not. There's actually recorded audio on that vinyl. Nobody ever, nobody real realizes that unless you tell them. <laughs> really? Yeah, there is. Nobody, nobody <laughs> thinks to stick a needle to it, huh? <laughs> Yeah, you can actually put it on a on a actual record player, and you can actually play audio out of that vinyl. So when uh, I attended a, a mobile beat, my first Las Vegas show, I attended uh, back in two thousand eight because Neil invited me up to. Uh, he wanted to introduce me to Silvio Zepieri, who was the brand manager, who is the brand manager, I should say, for Dead On. He wanted to introduce me to him. The 3700s were show, uh, you know, they were showcasing the 3700s. No one was really, they didn't have a demonstrator to showcase them, but they had them on display for people to try them out. They let me just jump on board and do my thing with it. And in a matter of seconds, I, the way I was playing with those players, it 
they thought I had been using them for years. Player <laughs> 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 hasn't even been. Out. So I mean, they were pretty impressed with it. So they just kind of uh, just took me on from there, and then they invited me to do my first show with them, which was the Atlantic City DJ Expo. And then you know, I just stuck with them from there. Uh, since then. How I mean, I've done a couple other things. The Atlantic um, show that Denon was doing with uh, Best Buy, because you know Best Buy now has uh, a music instrument department. And they are selling DJ gear, and the most top-of-the-line gear they're selling is Denon. But no one in the stores know how to use this sure, gear. Sure, Because most of them are all guitar players or keyboard players or whatnot. So Denon wanted to take it a step further from any of the other companies that were selling the products there by sending reps like me to different locations. Uh, they had somebody represent stores in Texas, and there's one out. And, uh, I, I know what you mean. That's awesome. Right, and to train these salespeople how to use the, their products. So they had they sent me to Miami, teach them how to use these products. So when they sell them, they'll actually know, know what they're talking about. What they're talking about, and how they can tell people how this thing operates. God, I wish you know, versus you know, because I mean, it's easy to identify the play and stop button, but you know, I mean, for the average, even the average consumer, they're going to want to know a lot more about it <laughs> like how do i cue a song with this thing you know or how does this turn on <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> yeah i mean that, that was a pretty cool thing I, I thought that at least you know it get, it opens up you know just even the average musician's eye on, on you know that we're not just uh consider you know we're not like the underdog in, in the entertainment industry anymore yeah. you know now tech talk from the front lines I got two technical questions for you. Okay. Tell me about the crab. The crab, as far as the scratch technique, the yeah. crab? I mean, uh, I, I've been watching videos of that, and it uses a lot of your fingers on the one hand and your thumb to, to hit the slider back. But does the actual manipulation of the slider itself create noise? Okay, we'll break this down in, in, <laughs> in the most logical, layman way we can, we can do this. Okay. You can virtually scratch with any mixer. To achieve the scratch sounds that you tried it with, especially with crabbing, transforming, flaring, and all that, uh, you would need a mixer that had a fader curve adjustment. Okay. So the curve, the fader would be set to the sharpest curve, which enables to now, make the scratch sounds the way you hear them. Sharpest, sharpest being the X, or uh, more like so, it looks like a bench seat you would sit on. Yeah, look, that that would be the, the okay. sharpest. So because if you had a, the X, basically what what that would signal. What that would signify is that the second you bring the crossfader to the center, that would, that would decrease play both the tracks. volume of, of the previous track you're playing, yeah. elevating the track of the to the next track that you're playing. Now with the the better lack of terms, the bench seat <laughs> on the fader curve, yeah. that would basically allow the fader the audio if you had the fader all the way if you're playing music from the left deck, you had the fader all the way to that side. The second movement of the fader that you know from that point on towards the other side of the other right. side of the fader slot would bring the audio from the other deck at its full volume i get it so if you had both decks playing as soon as you come like a centimeter away from far left you'd be playing both tracks full at volume. its full volume right yeah. yeah i get it so now getting back to the the crabbing question i've never really taught scratching formally per se but like whenever i would explain how scratching you know, works as far as uh, it's more like cutting because scratching is what you're doing with your record hand. What you're doing with your fader hand is more like your cutting ability. The key technique to doing that is using your thumb to put pressure against the crossfader 
this is if you're scratching traditionally versus hamster style. Hamster style would be if if you're if you're scratching with the right deck, but the fader is cutting in and out from the same side that your turntable is. It's easier to explain visually than audibly, than verbally. <laughs> but uh, standard way of scratching of cutting, you would use your thumb to pressure against the the fader so it acts like a spring. Yeah. Every time you push with any of your other fingers, push the fader towards the center, and your thumb would spring it back. So now when you're crabbing. Crabbing is more like you're kind of grazing, you're running your fingers uh, along the side of the fader knob. It's almost like if you're snapping, snapping like three fingers, three or four fingers. Sure. It's the same thing, except you have the cross fader knob in between your finger, and that would create like. And at the same time, you would um, when you're scratching your sample, uh, the easiest way is, is is you're rubbing the record back and forth. And as you're doing that motion with your fingers on the fader knob, that helps it create that uh, ripple sounding effect, like brr. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, that's the best way I can describe the crab scratch um, without visually <laughs> showing it. Um, as a matter of fact, I do have a, a video tutorial on YouTube on these different scratches. What's your uh, YouTube screen name? YouTube.com slash DJ Flip Entertainment. And you know this page that got me recognized at Mobile Beat. Right now, I currently have 187 subscribers. Oh, okay. I'm pretty happy with that. I mean, it, that's nothing to your several thousand that I saw. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say that about my YouTube page, but oh, that's I mean, right. I... You have several thousand friends on Facebook. That's what it is. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, it's weird though. I mean, I don't know if, if it's maybe just a DJ magnet thing. For a while, I was getting friend requests coming out of England. And some from France and Germany. I'm like, who the hell out there knows who I am? You know, I have an interestingly large following in uh, Australia. I had a couple of those too. I, was like, <laughs> yeah, people. I mean, it's it's amazing. I think how if it wasn't for the internet, I'd be, you know, anyone actually would just be the the average local jock in the area. You know, no one would. I mean, if if uh, you familiar with uh, Brian Red, yes, who does the YouTube. I mean, like, what him and Jonathan revolutionized with YouTube, I'm sure they weren't the first people to do what they were doing, but they were obviously the, the f first to DJs to get it. noticed to do that, you know, were doing what they were doing. Oh, and yeah. that revolutionized a lot for what DJs are doing with YouTube. Absolutely. Absolutely. I very much wanted to be a part of that uh, collaborative community, and that's why I created the DJ Rock and Rob page. I love the camaraderie of the people. I love the ideas, and uh, we're not out there to say that you know we're better than anybody else, but this is just how I do it. The YouTube DJ community has just uh, been really warm, really warm and inviting, you know? And if oh, you're- yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's not something, like, even Brian won't even go around saying, yeah, I started this. If it wasn't for me, none of you guys would be doing it. He's never taken that. Yeah, that and I've always given him respect for that. You know, I mean, he's just basically like, yeah, I mean, because he, he basically just wanted to pass the message to you. So you pass the message to someone else and they pass the message to other people. It basically gives a chance for our industry just to be a little bit more respected and highly valued versus, you know, being just the, the average $150 DJ who 
advertises themselves on Craigslist. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it shows people that yeah, we, you know, we're a lot more than just people with music. <laughs> you know. <what> I mean? <laughs> yeah. I, Even I, like what you're doing with this DJ podcast thing. I mean, I think it's a great thing because uh, thank you. You know, you, you you can bring guests like like me or or, or anyone of a higher caliber that connect caliber. Come on. Their, <laughs> you know i really highly appreciate all the bad respect that i've been getting from people in this business and, and even just like the average listener but at the same time you know i mean i'm, I'm still a baby in the industry <laughs> you know i mean i i, I, I gotta tell you i really appreciate the modesty you know <laughs> <laughs> it means a lot to me that you came on the show and uh i have uh i have some really we call it the rapid fire questions Rapid fire questions. It's a, <laughs> the shortest possible answer, you know, one sentence or, or whatever. You can elaborate if you want, but we're looking for shortest possible and quick. The, the, okay. That's the important part because if you think too much, you might change your mind. All right, you ready for some rapid fire? I never joined Family Feud because I can't give these short answers. <laughs> <laughs> you ready for some rapid fire questions? Go for it. All right, here we go. What's your most important piece of equipment? My laptop. <laughs> What's your favorite piece of equipment? I would say my uh, wow, that's a trick question. Ooh. You know, do <laughs> okay, you, wait, wait. <laughs> I have. Uh, I'm gonna my my. It's one piece, but broken down in four parts. Uh oh. Okay. My my two thirty seven hundreds, my TTM fifty seven mixer, and my MacBook Pro. Okay. So you just go in with a whole setup. <laughs> yeah, I mean speakers. I can plug in anyone's speakers and sound great. Doesn't mean the sound quality be great, but I can. Yeah. I don't know. I'll my <laughs> my PV fifteen oh twos will give you run for the money. <laughs> I brag about them all the time. They're old as dirt. What's the best advice you have been given? They just do this for fun, and the money will come later. Because if you don't enjoy it, and you're because some people, I mean, all right, this is where I have to elaborate on this. <laughs> because some people, you know, I mean, I've met people that wanted to do it because they see the rewards it gives people. You know, whether it's money or whether it's attention, whether it's free booze, call it what you will. But if they jump in there and they're not getting the results they're getting, they're expecting in the first six months they're in this business, they get frustrated and they're like, ah, it's not for me. I mean, if you're going to do it, do it because you love it. That's the way I see it. <laughs> oh, that's the way. That's what people tell me all the time. Because if, if you don't feel like you're working, then you know that you're really enjoying your job. That's great. What advice would you give to a new DJ? For anyone who's starting out, I would say, you know, I mean, do your research, obviously. Don't forget where the art form came from. And most of all, practice. Practice, practice, <laughs> That's the practice. only way you really excel, just practice. Practice and enjoy, just like YouTube <laughs> DJ quote. Last question. What is your favorite type of music to listen to? I mean, what do you jam out to in the truck? You know what? I, I don't really listen to a lot of what I spin. Oh sure. Unless I'm listening, you know, unless it's a mixtape that I just did, and I just want to keep listening to over and over again and see where I fucked up on it. Excuse my language. You know what? I listen to a lot of rock, actually. <laughs> you know, because I told you I grew up as a metalhead. Yeah, you uh, you you wanted to play Motley Crue, and uh, yeah, I wanted to play yeah all Metallica. Those, I mean, I still listen to those guys. I mean, I still I I, I have a whole wide range of what I let's see. That's the great thing with. How did you like seeing Warrant in Vegas? You know that listening to them brought back a lot of memories for me even though Janie Lane's not with the band anymore yeah. it's just hearing the songs sure you know 
brought me back to like <laughs> high school again. I was just like, wow. I was like, I haven't heard Uncle Tom's Cabin in years. I was like, wow. <laughs> it was kind of cool. Um, it's kind of cool to see that that new element brought into like Mobile Beat. Just to get back to your question, is um, I, I listen to Pandora. You know, you're familiar with Pandora. Yeah, the radio yeah. service <laughs> or internet radio service. Whatever I'm in the whatever uh, mood that I'm driving in right now, that's what I'll do. It, it could be <laughs> it could be anything from from island music, uh, reggae island reggae to to even like musicals. <laughs> You'd be surprised. I'm like, you actually like musicals? Like yeah, I mean, there's some musicals that I action I can actually dig to you know some like obscure heavy rock, even classical music. I was just commenting to my wife the other day. Uh, the Indiana Jones saga has beautiful scores in it. Absolutely. Oh my yeah, God. that's another thing too. This, uh, I remember. I remember um, I was a teenager and I there was a classical radio station and one day they just played the whole Indiana Jones set and I was like. Wow, that was great! <laughs> wow, actually, if if you go to one of my uh, um, videos on my YouTube channel, there's a digital uh, CD turntable routine I do, where I actually drop a beat behind the Imperial March, Star Wars Imperial March. I didn't see that, but I saw I saw you uh, did the the Pulp Wars. Oh, the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? That that's. The... You want to go into like the the video conversation? Yeah, just there there are times that I'll just get so bored. I will take either re-edit different endings. Like if you see my Karate Kid ones, it's been getting a lot of hits for some reason. <laughs> I don't know the Karate Kid ones, or I'll just take the. And I've always envisioned that scene with Samuel Jackson in Revenge of the Sith. I'm thinking, man, imagine yeah. if he played his Jules character in that scene. Well, hey, Flip, uh, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy uh, touring schedule to uh, meet with the with the podcast. Thanks a lot for the information. It's really, really neat to get an inside look. <laughs> hey, thanks, Robert, for having me. I, again, I really appreciate that. Um, where, where can I actually listen to, to this or send people this link? If, if uh... Well, you can find us at thatdjpodcast.com. You can follow cool. us on Facebook at thatdjpodcast.com. And also, our Twitter is at that DJ podcast. It's funny how they all sound the same. <laughs> yeah, that's I, I always keep that one universal name. So when people say so so DJ Flip Entertainment, so and so so dot com DJ Flip Entertainment. Well, hey, Except for Twitter because it's DJ underscore Flip. How did you get the name <laughs> DJ Flip? <laughs> the guy I was working with when I first started um, actually kind of coined that name for me. Well, first of all, I was a kind of like an acrobatic type of kid. <laughs> I would just randomly do back handsprings or front handsprings or whatnot, act like a ninja sometimes. It's just anyway, but it was a mixture of that and we were talking about ethnic tags back then, and you know, they're like, "Well, what do you use to insult Filipinos?" I'm like, "I don't really think you can." Or I don't think they have a racial term for Filipinos. They just call them flips for short. You know, <laughs> funky little island person would be the acronym. Or friendly little island person. I like to prefer funky. <laughs> that's <laughs> wonderful. They're like, you know, that's flips actually kind of a cooler name to have, isn't it? And so he just started kept calling me DJ Flip. Yeah, I just it gets it's stuck. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Friendly little island person. <laughs> <laughs> Funky little island person. Well, funky little island person, 
thanks again for taking the time, and uh, I will make sure to send you the link. So check us out. Same bat time, same bat channel right here on thatdjpodcast.com. Goodbye, everybody. Let's go. Tonight we're going hard, 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 hard. Just like the world is ours, ours, ours. We're tearing it apart, You know we're superstars. We are. This, bro- this broadcast is part of the Podcast Network. From sports to gaming, technology to movies, that Podcast Network is your primary outlet for entertainment, information, and news. For more information on your favorite shows, check out our website at thatpodcastnetwork.com. Thatpodcastnetwork.com. And be sure to join our message board where you can chat with our ever-growing community of fans. That Podcast Network. That Podcast Network. Your podcast source for just about everything. Everything. Everything.